0: Hello, and welcome in to the July 26th edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Joining me as always is Christian. We've got a number of topics to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA Finals. We're going to talk a little college sports realignment. We don't normally touch on college sports, but this is a topic that's so fun to talk about that we had to bring it in. We're going to start talking about some specific Chiefs camp storylines to watch out for Then we're going to cap it off with a little fantasy football talk. We're going to be talking about our favorite rookies from the draft class. But first off, Christian, how are you doing?
1: Doing good, man. Things have been been rolling. What about you?
0: I'm great. I've got four more days of work left until nine days off. I'm taking all next week off as a last little breath of fresh air before football season starts, before my wife goes back to teaching, before our son goes to daycare for the first time. It's going to be a little little hard on all of us, so we're going to use those days to get my wife's classroom ret- together, and also I'm going to use that day, that vacation time to go up to camp on Saturday, which I know you'll be there as well. I'm very excited
1: to see you. Oh, yeah, dude. I, we definitely should bring that up. We'll be there definitely the 31st. I have tickets the 5th and the 8th, so if you guys want to come up and talk to me, talk a little football, get some insight, uh, I mean, we're completely down for that, so...
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be a number of us up there from Arrowhead Live. I don't know if we're going to tweet out something if you want to come hang out, uh, but there's at least four or five of us that are coming up. Um, So, and we're actually going to be doing a podcast with those guys at Boudreaux's, which is a Cajun restaurant in downtown St. Joe. Highly recommend it. They're going to be hosting us as we do a quick podcast afterwards, just kind of some takeaways from what we saw at camp. So that's pretty exciting. You know, this isn't on the show sheet, but I wanted to talk about this for a second because It's really kind of chapped me and you can tell me what you think. I do not understand what has changed about the coverage of Deshaun Watson in the last three or four months, not even three or four months, like two months. When the news first came out, it was shock and horror and he's a monster. And now people are talking about trading for him and what it would cost and he's showing up to camp. I'm looking at a headline right now that says, two more women with new allegations are among 10 who have filed complaints to the Houston Police Department. Those are criminal complaints, not private, or not not public court. Those are criminal complaints. I do not understand how Deshaun Watson is continuing on to be an NFL player. Look, I understand innocent until proven guilty. That all makes sense. That means he's not in jail. You know, if he was arrested, he post bond, even then he's out. He's not, we're not saying he can't have his free life. What we're saying is you can't just do a super prestigious, highly regarded job, like be an NFL starting quarterback. That's why things like the commissioner's exempt list exist or administrative leave or other things like that. I do not understand how all of a sudden Ian Rappaport and Adam Scheffner are talking about people trading for Deshaun Watson and him showing up to camp. And it's, it's just almost like everyone thinks it's going to go away. And I mean, there have been a number of prominent athletes who have had sexual assault allegations against them. Ben Roethlisberger, Kobe Bryant, the list goes on and on and on. And those were one, like one allegation. What Deshaun Watson is facing is borderline serial, like serial sexual assault. I just, I don't get it, man. I, I get that he's a quarterback and he's a mainstream quarterback and all of that, but I, I'm really honestly kind of shocked.
1: Well, it's pretty simple, right? Like he plays the most important position in football and he's one of the rising stars. So they, obviously he's going to get some, some chances that other players might not. Uh, You remember Antonio Brown, he had a whole bunch of stuff going on, but he also had a sexual assault allegation and he was being put on the commissioner's exempt list until he, you know, got it taken care of. Now that, that didn't end up happening. That didn't end up happening, I guess, but uh, he was still, still in some really hot water for that. I really don't understand it either though. He, this is like, I don't want to say Bill Cosby-esque because they're, you know, untold amount of people, but like, that's the level we're talking about here. This is not a one person, uh, comes in and, and has an allegation, and you know it's a he said she said story, like because you can explain that away, right? Some sometimes people do some bad things for money, and that's unfortunately a way you can extort money out of professional athletes and, and things like that. And but this many people, it's just so hard to to look on Instagram, read the comments underneath the Deshaun Watson post, and go, they're all lying. It's like they're all lying, really. I mean, I don't know. I I have a hard time believing that.
0: Yeah, I, uh, quite honestly, it's pretty disgusting some of the ways that people do mental gymnastics to protect Deshaun Watson. I always come back to the stain on the shirt. If one person says, hey, you got, got a stain on your shirt, you might look down at your shirt, but you might not believe them because you're like, oh, it's not really that bad. I don't really see it. But if 20 people say you have a stain on your shirt, you better go change your shirt. There are, there's too much smoke here for there not to be a fire. And I, I just don't understand how they can continue on letting him do everything that he's doing. And I know camp has literally just started, but I, I'm just shocked that it is been... And what I, what I really think it is, Joshua Briscoe at Sports Review 810 tweeted this out, and I really agree with what he said. I think the reason why sports is ready to move on to trading for Deshaun Watson... It's because that's the thing that sports knows how to cover. Sports media knows how to cover picks and compensation and situations that he can succeed in as a player. They don't succeed at legality and things like that. And something else that people may forget is that a case this big, twenty you know twenty civil, ten criminal, those that takes a long time to gather all those pieces in investigation. Law enforcement side of things is going to move very, very slowly. And likewise will the civil side, that's not what sports wants. They want this to be wrapped up. Is he going to play for fantasy this year or is he not? And honestly, the answer is just a great big maybe, or I don't know. And that's, I think that's why people are so ready to move on a little bit, but man, this is, I know that this sounds a little ridiculous, but I feel like people have been more hard on Frank Clark having a gun in his car at times than they have been on Deshaun Watson. That's probably hyperbolic, but it almost feels that way at
1: times. Well, and yeah, that's, that's a really good take, I feel like. Like go, going back, kind of piggybacking off of that, like sports is really good at covering. These These aren't, unless you're uh, Seth Kaiser or, or a legal person who covers a team specifically, you really have no knowledge of, of how any of these go unless you've observed them in the past, right? So you might have an idea, oh, he might get suspended four to six games because that's usually what happens when you do X, Y, or Z. Like, you know, there there are things you can assume that, but this is such, like, I think just outside of everybody's realm of of knowledge, we've never seen something like this, or at least not this mainstream to a a high profile player. I, I don't think anybody really knows what take to put on this, Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think one thing to remember is Deshaun Watson only has to be guilty of one. It only takes one accusation to be right for him to be in serious trouble and for him to miss extended time. Now we've seen some players do some bad things, even go to prison like Michael Vick and come back and play. So, you know, I'm never going to say never that you should never play in the league again, but there, there needs to be some serious consequences. It. And, you know, he's facing a lot of allegations. And if one of them is true, that's the problem. But let's move on. Sorry, that was my rant that I dragged us into. Let's move on to NBA Finals. You know, this is almost old topic at this point. We kind of just recorded at the wrong time where it was right before game six. Bucks are champions. What is your big takeaway from the NBA Finals, Christian?
1: This is might be a little controversial, but people are comparing Giannis's game six performance to like a Shaq or a LeBron. And I really think that it's closer to a Kobe performance than it was anything else, right? Like I, I think that Giannis is maybe closer to Kobe than he is to Shaq. And and what I mean by that is we all know that that basketball is a mental game, right? There there are some mental aspects to it that Like Steph Curry one time hit 70 threes in a row in an open gym, but he shoots 30 or he shoots 45% on the year for threes. It's like, obviously, you know, some of those are, are a little bit more contested than others, but if the ball doesn't get tipped when it leaves your hand, it's on you. And Giannis missing one free throw the entire night. Yes. yeah. After shooting 40%, you know, over the course of his career, just shows that there was a mental it, he had the mamba mentality that night and, and then it, it really didn't matter what anybody else did. Middleton didn't go off for very much. Holiday didn't do very much. He he was a good defensive player, but nothing on the offensive end. <clears throat> I believe Bobby Portis was their second highest scorer. And he just took he just took the game over and said if you don't touch the ball, it's going in.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely piggyback off what you said there. I think that this was probably the best case scenario for the NBA, for the things that we've talked about. The NBA has been kind of missing that next star that transcends the sport. It's a sport of stars, but they've really been looking for that next, you know, we tune in to watch this player. What this player does is he brings other players with him. The league revolves around this player. And Giannis validating his talent in front of everyone was truly awesome to watch. Probably one of my favorite things that I saw in the NBA finals was in game six, not only like you mentioned the great free throw shooting by Giannis, but there was a time where he came out of the game and the announcers were sure to, you know, noted that Giannis is sitting out right now that he's catching his breath right now before the fourth quarter. And he literally just went and sat on the the scorers table. He wouldn't even sit on the bench, like sitting there, he wouldn't, you know, put on a hoodie or whatever they always do. He was sitting there just, like, begging to get back in, showing that he was not wanting to take any time off more than he had to. And, I, you know, I just think that – and then the fun videos of him afterwards, you know, there were several where he let fans touch the trophy. He went to Chick-fil-A. Like, I just felt like it was super rewarding to see him being validated as the next star. And even if this is the only championship he ever wins – I think that it's important, um, you know, a player that he kind of reminds me of as far as I think he has more ability and more accolades for sure, because some of the stuff he's doing is like basically Michael Jordan is the only other person to do it. Um, but he does remind me a little bit of the Dirk Nowitzki Mavs team where, you know, they broke through and got their championship and like he's a great player and Dirk Nowitzki was too. And I think a lot of people will finally get to realize what a great player Giannis is through this.
1: Oh, yeah. And and being a player that's I I really like that Mavericks take, like being a player that's sort of out of time, you know, uh, as far as the game goes. Right. Like everything now is a is a pull up three or a drive to the basket and a dunk like Giannis is sort of, you know, a little bit more. he, He doesn't shoot a whole lot of mid range, but he's really just like drive to the basket, old school LeBron style bully ball and really good defense. And, and if you don't play defense in the NBA now, it's fine. Like people just let that slide. I don't, I don't know why, but Dirk was kind of the same way in Dallas. He's like, Oh, I'm a big that can pick the ball up off the court and, you know, hit a step back, hit a turnaround, hit a pull up three. Like, you know, he was really the first stretch big to play um, at least uh, you know, a prominent superstar that was a stretch big, but like, <clears throat> yeah, he just, he does kind of seem like a player out of time, but it's also it's just so awesome to see a player like that win, especially one that has had so many ac- as accomplishments, had so many accomplishes accomplishments as Giannis had. My goodness.
0: Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this. How do you think that this and this run ends for the Bucks? I put this on Twitter the other day in a poll. How many championship how many more championships do you think this collection of Bucks players win? NBA championships, to be clear?
1: I think they have a shot next year. Especially if, you know, I I don't know if, if they make no moves, their window is probably the next two years. I, I don't think Middleton can can play at as, as high a level as he has the past couple of years.
0: Well, I and, think the thing is is that pretty much everyone's coming back.
1: Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I don't I, know. I still I think there was a, a lot of circumstances that kind of helped them get to the finals, like KD being, you know, wearing four shoe sizes too big. Like if, if his foot isn't on the line, we're not having this conversation.
0: Sure. And and we discussed this last time that every championship takes some some luck. You know, there's there's always a window of opportunity and players have to take it and teams have to seize the opportunity. You know, the, the Browns had a beautiful opportunity with Patrick Mahomes getting hurt and they couldn't seize that opportunity. I think if we were going to set the over-under on a one and a half, are you taking the over-the-under on championships won by the, this collection of Bucks players?
1: Probably the under.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's smart. I think I could definitely see them getting one. And I think if they're going to get one, I think it's going to be the next one that they go back to back. Because, you know, I think, I think it could be a lot of the same. I, I think Philly is still not, I, I don't see them making enough moves in the offseason that we view them as a threat to really go out and win it all no matter what happens with Ben Simmons and it's the same story with the Nets all those guys get another year older you know Kyrie's or not uh, Katie's playing in the Olympics right now that's not him getting rested and healthier all those guys are injured and all it takes is you know one or two of them to go down again and we're here talking about the same thing. Oh, if the Nets could stay healthy. Well, that's part of the reason why they are where they are, is because they can't. Um, and obviously, you know, the heat were good last year, and maybe they could come back, but I I think that the NFL is a very or the NFL, the NBA is a very fast-paced sport and player mobility is at its height. I feel like if they're gonna get it done, it's gonna be next year. And they're big, and they the only reason why I'm giving them next year is because. They play in the East, and I feel like that gives them a good opportunity to get back to the finals. If they were in the West, it would be a much tougher road.
1: Let me throw a scenario at you here. Uh, Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons and some picks to the 76ers. Do you think they have uh, enough firepower to beat them?
0: I'm trying to decide why uh, the Trailblazers would take that on.
1: Oh, that's been one of the big trade scenarios. lately. I know, but I'm, I'm sure. I
0: mean, I guess the picks are what your incentive is, but,
1: well, know, but Simmons, Simmons also, is on the max. Yeah, he is. But I think the main thing is that Lillard is just so, you know, not happy.
0: Disgruntled. Right? Yeah. Or,
1: yeah, that's that's kind of what they're saying. And, you know, it, it's sort of like a Tony G to the Falcons type of trade where it's, you know, we we're not going to be able to contend for a championship. We've shown you that we'll put you on a good team that'll give you the best shot and we'll see what happens. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously that would, that would definitely launch the Sixers into a new, a new stratosphere as far as their contending ship. But also, I mean, Embiid's got to stay healthy. There's still a lot more question. Their defense is what has been a big problem for them. And they are one of the t- teams that suffers the most from home road splits. I swear every time that team plays on the road, you can just shave like 15 points off their usual point total. But, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting. I On the other side of it, I think we can both probably agree that the Suns, we don't expect to see them back in the finals anytime soon.
1: Yeah, no. The, the roster, I don't know. I, I really didn't like how it was constructed. I really hope that CP3 – I mean, I'm happy he's had this chance, but he's another year older. Plus, they're saying he might even opt out so he can get a bigger contract, which if Chris Paul doesn't come back – you know, that's the only reason they're here. So,
0: yeah, I mean, there's there's some good players on that roster that are free agents. I think Bridges is, is as well. And I think that there might be one or two more guys that are as well that played some big roles down uh, down the stretch. But, yeah, I'm excited for it. The off season's already going. Woj is already tweeting. So it should be a fun offseason. Mm-hmm. Real quick, let's hit on the college sports realignment. Um, obviously the big news is is that OU and Texas are leaving the big 12 headed to the SEC. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this isn't so much that we need to point and laugh at Texas and OU, especially Texas who thinks that they are going to be better off in the SEC. But my opinion on this is when it comes to college sports alignment is that it does not matter as much as so many of us want to make it out to be. Where these teams play in the conferences is all about money. It always has been. And we just need to do away with caring about the strength of conferences so much. What we just need is we need to just accept that there needs to be three or four mega conferences. And that way we can get back to what makes college sports its best, and that's regionalism. Now, I know that this is a little bit Kansas City specific, but To me, Kansas City College sports scene has not been the same since KU went to – or MU went to the SEC. And that's because we lost the regular games between MU and KU. And, you know, KU and K-State does still have that appeal Big 12, whether it be basketball or football. But if these teams join the Big – if those two teams, when they do join the SEC – mizzou and oklahoma and mizzou and texas becomes a lot more interesting i feel like more interesting than mizzou arkansas which they've tried to make a thing with the rivalry weeks but i don't know i i feel like the big 12 is the thing getting picked over the most and i think it makes a lot of sense for a team like k-state or ku to move on to the big 10 and honestly the big 12 is just getting picked apart
1: yeah and you know kind of tying this in with the professional aspect of it, I think it'll make it a lot easier to scout players if, if there's three mega conferences, right? Like you get to see more matchups between talent. That's, you know, maybe a little closer to what it should be. I mean, you get to see, uh, KU and MU go together. I mean, KU hasn't ever been a really good football team. Um, but I think it would provide, you know, good, uh, good endorsement deals for all the new players. I mean, it's a lot easier to get behind a team when it's, you know, hometown rivalries.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Sorin Petro talked about this a little bit that he thinks you got to think about this as far as the biggest brands and what's left of the big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas football is KU basketball and KU, I mean, could be a team that could consider going to the sec because KU Kentucky has a, you know, as a divisional or a, conference game has a lot more appeal to it um, than you know ku versus north carolina if they you know were to go to the acc there's some decent college basketball wisconsin and michigan state in the big 10 um but yeah i mean i feel like it's i feel like we're just moving to this place that it's the big uh the big 10 pac 12 sec and probably acc and that's going to be the majority of your conferences and that and they're just going to be bigger and bigger and i mean Personally, as far as for our local teams go, Mizzou moving to the SEC still feels broken to me, even though it's clearly been a thing for a long time now. And I think it's worked out okay for them in the sense of, you know, they've probably made more money. But KU, K-State, I would really like to see them either move to the Big Ten or move to the SEC, S E C. That way they have a better chance of getting good competition and we can kind of move into a space where we can see those teams play each other more regularly.
1: Oh yeah. And, and as a Mizzou uh, student right now, I'd love to see some of the KU MU basketball football games that might go on.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, college sport athletics is such, is so top heavy right now anyways, that honestly probably doesn't matter as much as we think it is. I don't think it's going to matter until the playoffs are expanded to the point that an an upset can really happen. The NCAA tournament works because it is a one-game elimination, and basketball is kind of one of those sports that weird things happen sometimes. Football is less like that, but I feel like if once we get to the playoffs, to the expanded, I believe it's expanding to 12 teams here in the next year or two, I think that will help some. Um, you know getting a buy putting an incentive to get a buy and then you know I just I don't know if we'll ever see a like a low, a bottom seed creep their way into football as far as the tournament goes
1: no and it, it's much easier to predict football games than it is basketball games because you know players get streaky I mean we saw a go out and hit like I can't even remember it's like 10 threes and three quarters at one point in time and it's like you know how are you supposed to beat that? You know, even if the guy, he was a pretty good three point shooter anyway, you know, it's, it's easy for a player, not as well known as him to, you know, get hot and, and blow out a team. So.
0: Yeah. And I think I actually, you know what the best thing about this college realignment is the opportunity for horns down to not be a penalty in the sec, because for some reason the big 12 is coddling the horns down penalty for Texas And I would just love for Texas to do all this, to move to the sec and for all the real badasses of college football in the South to just give them the grief that they deserve for that ridiculously soft penalty.
1: Yeah. That's, that's so incredibly soft. I I read that the other day.
0: This will transition into our next topic. Pretty good. Let me just tell you how much of an absolute like dog and man crush I have on Creed Humphrey. First off, it, I always love watching the rookies arrive for camp. Like Nick Bolton walked in carrying like target sacks, which is completely what I used to do when I used to go to camps, um, which was like go and buy everything immediately right before you go there. Um, but Creed Humphrey walks in wa- wearing like white Crocs and um, like carrying his pillow. Like he literally looked like, you know, every high school football player going in on Saturday to watch film afterwards and the reason why I brought up Creed Humphrey also was because he tweeted the horns down thing that all the OU players were tweeting as they were uh, taking the I believe that what do they call it the Red River Bowl or whatever OU versus Texas. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Creed, hum- I love Creed Humphrey. I mean, he's going to be one of those guys if he turns out to be as good of a player as we think he's going to be. Uh, I'm I'm seeing a Creed Humphrey jersey in my
1: future real soon. Oh wow, really? You're, you'll pick up an O lineman jersey? I'm going to be
0: honest. I'm a fat white guy running around in a Tyree kill Jersey just doesn't feel right. Okay. (laughs) I've got a Mahomes Jersey because I mean, he's the savior, you know, he's our only, only begotten son, but um, otherwise it's almost malpractice to be. I'm just saying if you're some chubby white guy and you're running around in a Tyree kill Jersey or a Jamal Charles Jersey or something like that, I don't know. It's kind of bad practice. There's a, get you a defensive lineman. It's not, I'm not bringing up the color thing as much because obviously that's a sensitive subject. It's more about the size. You know, if I'm a big guy and I go get a Chris Jones Jersey, that makes sense. Or a, a Frank Clark, but you're running around in some small wide receiver or running back. It, you just look a little goofy wearing Clyde Edwards, a in three XL bud.
1: Yeah. And it, it does look a little better. I feel like, it, you know what I mean? Like you see like a stretched out Tyree kill Jersey over <laughs> yeah, some dude. It's, number, it's a little that bit number different.
0: 10 stretched over the belly button and the beer belly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just doesn't quite have the same same ring to it as like a 66 or a 68, whatever. You know, oh yeah. I, I need me an offensive line Jersey. I, I do not have one. Um, but that brings us into our next topic. Um, it's real easy to look at chief's camp and just say, Oh, the offensive line is going to be interesting or the, um, you know, the backfield, the running backs. We're looking for a specific storyline, players' names that you want to watch for a camp and look for when you're out there or whenever you're watching the highlights or what the beat reporters are putting out there. Um, Christian, why don't you go ahead and go first? What are, what's the, the specific training camp storyline that you think is important?
1: So I really think there, there are two that are so incredibly close together that, like, I, for me, it's impossible to take them apart. Right. And that's DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes. Right. They're on different teams, traded for different reasons, both previously first round picks. And now they get to kind of restart their careers in Kansas City. And, you know, the Sad Breland isn't back. There's a vacancy obviously Sneed and Ward are going to be out there, but there's, you know, there's real opportunity here for those guys to, to show out and and come and be a starting player in the NFL.
0: Yeah. I think, I think the Bashad Breland thing is a, I think it's a little double-edged sword. I wanted the Chiefs to bring back Bashad Breland because it costs so little and it was great insurance. But I also feel like we as Chiefs fans might overrate Bashad Breland's skills as a whole. Um, I mean, he was great for one to two holding back-breaking holding penalties. Um, I did like the way that he got up and played the run, but he was a guy who, if you had a, a ref crew that was really, really tough on the holding penalties, he was going to struggle for that game. And I'm not sure that moving away from Breland is as big of a deal as we made it out to be. Um, but I definitely agree that someone in that cornerback room has to step up. They cannot be relying on one. They cannot be relying on Rashad Fenton to be playing anything other than the slot, which hurts already because Sneed was so great in the slot, putting him mm-hmm. on the outside. And then, you know, Shavarius Ward is going to be a free agent after this year. He was a restricted free agent this year that they tendered. Um, he has moments where he, it feels like he's almost unplayable. Sometimes he has one or two of those games every year. And I know that the chiefs have made do with so little at corner for so many years, but it feels like they're really uh, doubling down on that philosophy this year.
1: Oh yeah. And, and I don't want to get this mistaken. I didn't think the Breland was, it was an incredible player by any means. I don't think anybody that, Oh yeah. I, the don't, chiefs...
0: I don't think you were, but he was our guy and he signed for virtually nothing somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, he, he's not a real fast guy. He likes to play with his hands, which, you know, some cornerbacks, that's their style. But, you know, I think with how uh, Spags wants to use our cornerbacks, I think that that didn't really fit as well as it possibly could have. Like like Ward is really good because he's got really long arms and he fits into the scheme well. He's not a great corner. He, he doesn't have all those physical traits that Snead has or or the ball hawking skills of of Tyron Matthew. And, and I think that's really where Baker and Hughes can come in and be like, Hey, you know, they were first round picks for a reason. You know, it's not like they were an Alex Leatherwood pick in the first round. Like these are really good talented corners that finally have an opportunity.
0: Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like Baker is the best shot, um, of a guy who they both were later first round picks, um, as far as the rounds go, but I feel like Baker's the guy that, has the pedigree, obviously he's coming off the injury, which kind of makes a difference for um, how he's going to recover. And it's been some time since he's played serious NFL snaps from the legality or the legal situation that he had. But I, yeah, I feel like, and I mean, we can also throw Bo Peake keys in there. You know, if he steps up and takes the next step, he has kind of that, you know, classic spags corner look, the long mm-hmm. and lean. So uh, definitely a good position to watch. It'll be real interesting to see what they're running out there in camp and who's getting a lot of play. For me, I'm also going to go to the defensive side of the ball. And I like that you went there too. One of my biggest things about the Chiefs offseason is they have a very clear, stronger side of the ball. That's offense; It will always be that way as long as 15 is under center. But they spend a lot of money and a lot of trades, a lot of resources on building up the offense more. The offensive line, um, you know they made a couple of offensive draft picks. They've signed some players for offense. You know, um, the, um, they've done a lot to build up the that side of the ball. When truthfully, the defense had some struggles as well. Um, and really, what you're looking at for the defensive improvement is either players who took a step back, taking a step forward, like Juan Thornhill, Frank Clark, um, and then more or less jaron reed and my player willie gay willie gay was a player that has all the physical traits profiles out as a very elite pass covering defensive uh not defensive lineman linebacker but he is the avenue for this defense really taking improvement and really taking the next step um yes i think the pass rush will be better with the addition of Reed, but you know we don't need to go down the Ben Neiman road. Everyone knows Ben Neiman's not a great, uh, not a great linebacker. He doesn't really have the skills necessary to be an every down linebacker and a passing down linebacker, which is what he's treated as. One of the best avenues for the Chiefs' defense to improve is Willie Gay getting on the field, and Willie Gay has the type of speed that he can be on the on the field for every down. Um, he is got the speed to make up for the mistakes that he makes but he also has the speed to get him out of position even faster speed that you know that's the bad thing about being really fast sometimes all it is is getting out of position more yes I know Nick Bolton was brought in and I do think that there will be a situation that both Anthony Hitchens and Nick Bolton are on the field but I do not feel like you can throw Anthony Hitchens and Nick Bolton out on the field in a passing down neither one of them are athletic enough to run with a tie again, run with a running back That is where it is going to be down to Gay and Neiman. And that's why I think that losing Damian Wilson did hurt a little bit because he was a little bit more of that guy who could cover players in that situation. He had a great pass up, pass blocked against J.K. Dobbins in that week two matchup against uh, the Ravens, or week three. Um, But either way, I think that if Willie Gay comes out and really masters the playbook, you could be looking at a huge difference for this defense because now what was – probably one of the most glaring weaknesses becomes a strength for, for them. And Willie gate will be a great chess piece for blitzing too, because he has that heat heat seeking missile setting. You know, he just, when he locks in on something, he can really go and he could be a lot of fun to bring off the edge or up the middle on a blitz as well. So I, I see that being as something that if Willie gay can really take over that role, that's something really exciting for the defense.
1: Oh, yeah. And and one thing that everybody was saying last year, especially in our Arrowhead Live group, they're banging on the desk, put Willie Gay in the game. I don't care if he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. I don't care if he, you know, you just tell him see ball, get ball, and he's better than Ben Neiman, which, you know, could be true. I I won't. I'm not here to dispute that. But what I will say is that after a whole offseason and a whole season in the books, he should be primed to come in here and if he even knows where he is half the time, I, I think that he'll get the start over Ben Neiman. And that is only, the, that that's just perfect for our defense. We we have always lacked a really athletic, fast linebacker, at least in this uh, Mahomes era of players. Um, that could really unlock uh, our defense and, and help us not get taken advantage of from the tight end position like we have for who knows how long.
0: Yeah, I think that we will definitely still see some Ben Neiman. He's on this roster for a reason. And it's very clear that Spaggs elevates linebacking play to a different level than some of the other positions on the field. He really cares about putting people in the right position, reading the coverages. It's very clear he asks a lot of the linebackers. That's why they think so highly of Anthony Hitchens, because he's kind of the quarterback of the defense. Um, and also, I think it's important for Willie Gay to step up because if Willie Gay is, you know, if we're sitting here in week 10 still asking where Willie Gay is, what are we doing at linebacker next year? Anthony Hitchens is a very, very likely cap casualty. They just invested a pick in Dorian, um, not Dorian, no, Daniel, and um, Nick Bolton. And then, so then you're relying on Nick Bolton to, because I, Nick Bolton will get on the field this year. He's too good of a player not to, but you're basically looking at your Anthony Hitchens replacement with Nick Bolton. And then it becomes, well, what about Willie Gay? Are we still rolling with Ben Neiman? This defense really needs Nick Bolton and Willie Gay to take those positions by the horns next year and have a young, cheap linebacking core because you know Chris Jones is getting paid. Hopefully Tyron Matthews is getting paid. Um, they really need that. And like I did mention his name. Dorian O'Daniel was a third-round pick a couple of years ago. That pick has you know, basically brought special team snaps, and that's about it. And it's a position that this team has struggled to replace since Derek Johnson.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite players of all time. Just incredible. Um, Just so intelligent with the game. I wouldn't be mad if he came back and was a linebacker's coach. I know we just had a vacancy, but either way, I I think that if somehow, for some reason, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay don't work out, we're going to do what we've done the past couple of years, right? We'll sign some free agent linebackers for way too much money and they'll underwhelm us and underperform, and that's where we'll be stuck. I mean, we won a Super Bowl with it. You know, how wrong is it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, the good thing is is that with Gay and um, Bolton, those are both positions that on the scale of positional value are not as high. Um, You know, corner is a little bit different, like you were discussing, but linebacker, the Chiefs have proven that it's not a position that you need elite play from. It's a position that you can't have elite mistakes at, you know? And I think that kind of brings us back to why Willie Gay struggled to get on the field is those mental mistakes can be backbreaking, but all right. Well, to wrap us up, we're going to kind of just go down, um, of the rookies that were drafted in this draft class, who should be the rookie that you target the most in your fantasy draft We'll both just pick one that we like and explain a little bit why. We try to give these little fantasy nuggets here at the end. Um, Obviously, we're going to consider situation, um, opportunity, health, um, and kind of dynasty outlook as well. You know, someone might have a better outlook right now than they'll have in two or three years. Um, I'll go first since Christian went first with the Chiefs camp storylines. I've got um, this one, man. This one I've struggled with a little bit. I, when I look at it, first off, I'm always going to lean wide receiver heavy because I think that that is the position fantasy as the community has smartly, in my opinion, moved more to the PPR method, which is also elevated wide receiver play. I think wide receiver at this time means a little bit more than running back. I'm, you know, I'm tempted to say Najee Harris because I think he's going to get boatloads of carries, but I also think that's a bad offensive line. I still think they have a lot of wide receiving weapons in uh, Pittsburgh. They will still throw the ball. And long term wise, I don't see Najee Harris being this guy like most running backs that have a 10, 12 year career of dominance. Um, Jamar Chase, I'm tempted to say him as well. But I'm actually going to go with Jalen Waddle um, for Miami. Okay. I think that he has that Tyreek Hill skill set. And I know. Everyone wants to compare him to Tyreek Hill. The only reason why I'm using Tyreek Hill is because I think that he has the ability, if he's utilized correctly in a screen game, even as in the jet sweep rushing game, I think that he has the ability to be a game breaker, yards after catch, find the end zone. And I like him because I feel like Miami has the assets that, let's say you draft him in year one, Tua just does not pan out. Miami has the assets. We were talking about Deshaun Watson. You know, Aaron Rodgers news has been big this today with him, you know, basically essentially being traded next year. Um, you know, Miami has the assets to go and get someone if Tua's not the guy, and they will. They've proven that they're aggressive. So I have long term confidence in that organization, long term confidence that they will get competent quarterback play. And I also think that he will be the guy going forward. Yes, there's some other good pass catchers in that offense but overall he's the guy.
1: Yeah. He's a killer out of the slot. By the way, we, I did a, for our arrowhead live draft guide that we put out, I, I was in charge of some of the wide receivers and he was one of them. And that dude was a killer. I mean, Tyreek Hill is the only comparison I can think of for him. That that's just, you know, one of, one of the things where you go, Oh, everybody compares every wide receiver to Tyreek Hill or, or Julio Jones. Like, you know, th- those are the two guys every draft. Oh, this is the next Tyreek kill. He runs a four, two and blah, 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 blah. Well, they don't ever pan out that way. Jalen Waddle could pan out that way. He just such a good talent and dolphins have built what I consider to be. I mean, they've been one of the most well-run franchises over the past couple of years, plenty of draft picks, lots of really good players. I mean, yeah, the sky is the limit for that team. Um, for mine, I really was tempted to say Kyle Pitts because, you know, Julio Jones isn't in the offense anymore, and, uh, and you know, they have a really good offense already. Matt Ryan is an above-average quarterback, but that felt a little cliche to say that the first um, – or, or a little bit typical to say that, oh, the first – skill position player taken I'm going to say that that's the guy everybody should go and draft everybody knows that's the guy you should go and draft because he was picked fourth overall for a reason right so I went ahead and did Terrace Marshall Jr. for the Carolina Panthers now he's a second round pick I think everybody that I know had him mocked in the first round so just a really really good wide receiver talent good prospect played at LSU for a few years uh, was across from Jamar Chase you know, that helps, helps you get a little bit more open, but <clears throat> there's just, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity in Carolina and, and Sam Darnold, their quarterback that they just got. I think he really, really, really will help them out. Um, he, he was kind of bogged down. He didn't really get very many opportunities for the jets. And I think this is where he shines. I think that he comes out and he's at least Matt Ryan, you know, so, so Terrace Marshall Jr. Plenty of opportunity. On a team trending upwards, that's my pick.
0: Yeah, I'll give one more, um, just one more person player that I don't think will be as trendy, but I really love going forward, and that's Trey Sermon from Ohio State. He's landed in San Francisco. Um, I'm fairly confident that Kyle Shanahan could get me up to about two yards per carry as a running back <laughs> with the with the gaps that he schemes. Um, I think he is going to be that player that. In weeks, three, four, five, six, you're sitting there being like, man, he just keeps getting three or four points. And then he just has that big breakout game, kind of like Jonathan Taylor last year and really never turns back. Um, If he ends up being the lead guy in that offense, which I think he will, um, I think he's going to have a huge year um, and really carry you in the time of year that matters most into those playoffs.
1: Oh, yeah. And you know, he's going to get heavy usage, too, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo under center.
0: And also, um, if they do start incorporating Trey Lance into the the scheme, those running ru- the running backs always benefit from running quarterbacks because it creates even more of a threat when it comes to the option game. We've seen that in Baltimore with um, with Lamar Jackson, and it'll be the Trey show. Trey Sermon and Trey Lance. I think that I think you could do really well with Trey Sermon. I think you might be able to grab him a little bit later than. Some of these other names like Javante Williams um, and even Travis Etienne, who, frankly, I don't see why is ranked so
1: high. Yeah, me neither. Same thing with the, uh, you you mentioned him earlier, that Pittsburgh running back, whose name is escaping me. Yeah, Najee Harris. You have to have an O-line to run behind. And, you know, Chiefs fans especially should know that that's the case because, you know, not that CEH was an incredible running back coming out of college. I was really high on it, but it's pretty hard to run. We saw it with him. It's pretty hard to run the ball when you have no offensive linemen. So,
0: yeah. And we'll, we'll come back to one of our truths about fantasy football. Fantasy football is about one thing, and it's about consistent production. If you can look at a guy and say, this guy's going to give me eight points every week, that's almost more valuable than a guy who might give you 20 points one week and then a goose egg the next week. So, you know, the Najee Harris, while I do agree with you, he's going to get the – he's going to get some opportunity. Etienne I don't get as much because I'm not sure he's going to get the opportunity. they have talking about him playing wide receiver some and being a third (laughs) down back. That's the the unpredictability that you don't like to see. Um, And, you know, like I said with Sermon, he's probably not a guy that you're going to be starting week one unless you're in an ultra deep league. But I think kind of like I said with that Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to come on later. And, um, you know, just plan accordingly. You always, you always want those guys, um, guys that, you know, are going to surge late in the season and guys that you can rely on week one.
1: Oh yeah. And, you know, I like to keep a little, I like to keep some of those players low. Uh, even if I am like super high, if I've got like four running backs, but there, there's a guy like Trey Sermon in the late rounds, I'll pick him up because I know somebody that didn't draft running backs or, or somebody who needs a really good flex option late in the season is going to come you know, they're going to slide into the DMs and say, hey, man, you know, Trey Sermon's looking kind of nice with those eight points per game. What, what would it take?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Target those guys you want to trade for. All right. Well, I think that I think we're going to call it a show. Um, hopefully you guys are enjoying the Olympics. Uh, we've started watching it. Been a good, good time. Great thing about the Olympics is if you miss some of it, not a huge deal. Um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Like I said, we will be recording with, I think it's probably going to be the coach's corner podcast that can be found on this feed as well. Um, on Saturday out at Rose. if you're interested in meeting up with us at camp, you can always tweet at us. My Twitter handle is at price A. Carter and Christians is, uh, I don't have it memorized quite yet
1: <laughs> at C breezy underscore edits. Yeah. We had the same thing last time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You'll, we'll get, I'll get it down eventually. Um, but yeah, you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening and, uh, stay, stay blessed out there. Yep. See you guys.